welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 111. Don't meditate. I still remember when I was in my senior year at university and I was applying to jobs and finishing up college and all of those things, being particularly stressed. And now up to this point in my life, I'd always been a very, very anxious person, very depressed, like moody, those sorts of things, which of course I later found out was a combination of bad nutrition and no spiritual life. And we have some field locks discussing those kinds of topics. None of them come to mind immediately, but you can scroll through and find those. I think the the episode on keto talks about at least the nutritional aspect. But one of the things I tried to do to improve my mental state, and perceptively it did help me, it did help me feel calmer, was meditation, right? And you hear about meditation all the time. You hear about the calming effects, the focus effects. Of course, some spiritual traditions use certain kinds of meditation for what they consider to be spiritual advancement, those sorts of things. Now, today, today's field log being titled Don't Meditate, we're not saying that everything that people refer to as meditation is bad, right? That's called the word concept fallacy. Just because two things have the same name doesn't mean they are the same thing. Very easy to prove that. You might have two friends whose names are John. They're not the same person. So when I say meditate, in today's context, I'll be talking about what's called mindfulness meditation. Right? This is the common one that gets pushed around everywhere, that gets promoted everywhere. There are all sorts of apps that teach you how to do mindfulness meditation. The basic idea is just that you sit down, close your eyes, and focus on your breath. Or maybe focus on the sensations you're experiencing. And the idea is to train yourself to focus on something and to train yourself to observe your thoughts passively. Now, when I was doing this senior year of university, it did help, right? I did feel calmer, which of course is often the case in things that are not good for us spiritually. In the very beginning, they will cause some sort of pleasant sensation, right? It's not always the case that things that feel good are good, right? Heroin is an example of this. So just because something seems to have a positive effect on your sensation doesn't mean it's good for you. Now, before we dive into the meat of today's field log, as usual, since we'll be discussing a spiritual topic, my usual disclaimer, I'm not a priest. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a metropolitan. I'm not a patriarch. I'm no one's spiritual father. I'm not a theologian. I'm not even anyone's godfather. So the knowledge I'm going to be sharing with you is what I've read in the writings of the fathers and what has been taught to me by people who are qualified to teach these kinds of topics. If I do say anything that seems off, Please check with your spiritual father. That being said, let's dive in. The first thing I will say, we should start here, is that you as a Christian man should not practice spiritual disciplines from other religions. It's as simple as that. When you are using something like mindfulness meditation or yoga or whatever else, mantras, Right, I still remember when I was still Catholic, and this was a while ago, there was during catechism, there's a, a year or change, a year and change of catechism that you go through. There was a woman in the catechism class who 
said sometimes she likes to pray using Hindu mantras because it's all the same God, right? And me, of course, <laughs> lacking a filter more so than I do these days, even at the ripe old age of 21, said in front of the entire room, that's heresy, which of course was not very well received. But the reality is, it is heresy. We do not worship the God of the Hindus. And being someone who practiced Hinduism, God forgive me, for a couple of years, I can tell you in great detail what their qualities are and how they are not shared with the triune God of the Orthodox Christian faith. So we don't use techniques from other religions. We don't need techniques from other religions. Read the scriptures in the book of Proverbs. The prophet David tells us that the gods of the nations are demons. So I don't mean to say this to offend anybody, whatever faith background you may have. It is your right to believe it, just as it is the right of the Christian to believe that the gods of the nations are demons, as the scriptures tell us. So when you start out with mindfulness meditation, usually it happens because you want more focus or more calm or a better mood. But the problem is it doesn't stay that way. The goal of mindfulness meditation or of these more advanced types of meditation is to ultimately achieve what the Far Eastern traditions call nirvana, right? Which is roughly translated as an extinguishing of yourself, right? The idea is to empty yourself. Now, from a spiritual perspective, it seems quite obvious that you are emptying yourself to make space for something else, right? If you look at some of the occult traditions, for example, I believe this is the case in Freemasonry, there is a certain ritual that gets done where you essentially invite what they believe to be their guardian angel to inhabit them, right? And that seems to me, at least, a very classic case of demonic possession. So even assessed objectively, it's probably not a good idea to empty yourself, empty your mind, least of all for the Christian. Something similar can be said about yoga, by the way, which is, now that I think about it, very closely related to mindfulness meditation, not in the way that they're the same, but in the way that the argument why you should do it is the same, and my argument for why you shouldn't is the same. Yoga is supposed to calm you down, it's supposed to help you relax, and it's supposed to help give you physical benefits like mobility and strength. And while it may be the case to that doing those kinds of things is going to strengthen your body and give you mobility, Father Seraphim wrote a very scathing criticism of people who think that Christian yoga is possible. I think it was Father Father Seraphim. We had an episode where I mentioned this briefly a little while back, and I don't remember which one it was. But I remember linking a video to a talk, and I'm like 95% sure that it was Father Seraphim. But the argument's the same. Like, this is good for me. This, this is going to give me some sort of worldly benefit, right? A calmer mind, a more flexible body, a stronger body. These are all worldly benefits, which are all well and good, right? I'm, I mean, I'm the guy who says that all men living a certain calling in life to be strong leaders should be training their body physically, right? And that includes mobility. But you shouldn't use something that can't be divorced from the spiritual tradition it originates in. The same is true for meditation, right? These practices come from Far Eastern religious practices. You can't divorce meditation from the religion it came from, right? There are lots of atheistic people who try to do this, right? Sam Harris is one of them. You might have heard of the man. If you haven't, don't bother looking him up. There's nothing he's going to add to your life. But these are the kinds of people who push things like psychedelics and uh, mindfulness meditation and in some cases even yoga. In 
in the false belief that you can just use these things and not be influenced by the spiritual traditions that they come from. That's just not the case. So that being said, me going on for about 10 minutes as to why you shouldn't do these things, you might be left in a place where you wonder, what should you do? Well, since this is a spiritual topic, or well, at least some of it, I'm just going to relay the spiritual information that we get from the church, that we get from the church fathers, that we get from the holy tradition. And when it comes to the practical things, I'll, I'll tell you all of the practical tools you can use. First thing I will say is if you feel like you need some sort of quote-unquote meditative practice to help you concentrate, to help you calm down, to help you find inner peace, the answer should be obvious. It's prayer. It's Christian prayer, right? Something that could in some ways be seen as similar to mindfulness meditation would be reciting the Jesus prayer, right? Go to your priest, ask him to teach you how to pray the Jesus prayer. Or maybe he already has, right? This is the kind of thing where you can never go wrong praying it, right? In fact, the monastics first developed the Jesus prayer, if I remember correctly, to be able to pray whenever they were doing pretty much anything, right? You might be working in the garden. You might be doing chores. You can always just recite, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's very easy to do that. So we don't need mindfulness meditation. You don't need to focus on your breath and try to empty your mind. Not only is it counterproductive spiritually, but you don't have to touch these traditions at all, right? It's, in some ways, even a heretical attitude to assume that the Orthodox tradition doesn't give you all of the spiritual tools you need, right? The Christian tradition is complete in the spiritual toolkit it provides. And if you need some sort of detailed guidance, that's what your priest is for, right? If you have individual circumstances and you can't seem to find anything that's been established, then you go to your priest and they'll work with you. But there's nothing that's established in some other tradition that we don't have that we wouldn't need. It just doesn't exist. So for the spiritual benefits, for the mental benefits, for the, the focus and the calm that people think come from using Buddhist meditation practices, the Jesus prayer seems like an obvious answer. Now, that being said, if you're going to the church services, if you're communing regularly, if you're confessing regularly, if you're praying your morning and evening prayers twice a day, right, as much as you can, you know, we all miss them once in a while. If you're doing all those things, you don't have a need for using something like meditation, meaning mindfulness meditation. It's just, you don't need it. Now, as far as calmness from a practical perspective, I've talked about nutrition before. I've talked about nutritional psychology before. There's a book I mention all the time. If you have these sorts of problems and you've been listening to the field log for a while and you still haven't gotten a copy, I don't know what to tell you. There's a book called The Mood Cure that talks about neurotransmitters. It talks about diet. It talks about how all of these things affect the the way that you feel your emotions, especially when there's no actual threat that's being experienced, right? If you feel anxious or you feel depressed and there's nothing causing those feelings, you're experiencing what the author calls a false mood. Read the book, follow the instructions. She has 40-something years of experience at the time of writing the book, and which I'm guessing at this point is more, because it's been a while since the book came out. It's been, I want to say, close to 10 years since I've read it. But that information is just there for you, right? If you want to feel calmer. And then, of course, we've talked about things like reducing your screen time, reducing distractions. If you want more focus, that's going to help you. Do things that are more manual. There are many, many, many more effective and less dangerous ways 
to get the desired mental state that you're after when you pursue something like meditation. So of course, the bottom line here is still, even if using yoga or mindfulness meditation were the only way to fix your problem, as Christians, we don't believe that the mark of a life well lived is how pleasant it is, right? We know that we need suffering for the growth of our character. We know that, that we need suffering for the attainment of the kingdom. So you shouldn't be pursuing feeling good all the time in ways that are going to sabotage your spiritual progress. At least that's how it seems to me. And the other one that's worth mentioning while we're on the topic is yoga, right? I still remember when I was doing yoga, I used to do yoga for about an hour a week when I was 18, 19, I think maybe even all the way up to 20. And I was very flexible. It definitely works, right? Now, of course, what people refer to as yoga is technically asanas, right? Asanas meaning, I think, literally translates to postures. But yoga is a, um, is a Hindu philosophy. It's one of the big, six big schools of Hinduism. And then asanas are one of the sort of practices in the yogic school. But people colloquially refer to it as yoga, which, you know, fine, misnomer, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the downward dog and the upward dog and the sun salutation, all of that stuff. If you want to be flexible, buy a foam roller, right? Buy a foam roller, get some resistance bands, get a lacrosse ball, and subscribe to Squat University on YouTube, right? That's more functional mobility anyway, right? You don't need to do an hour of raising your arms above your head and then slowly raising them down and then slowly bending down. You can just identify your problem area. Let's say it's your hip. Go on Squat University's channel type in hip mobility and just do the drills there. It'll be three to five minutes. It's going to save you more time. And it's just an athletic mobility routine. Again, there is nothing being provided by these traditions that you can find if it's spiritual, either in the Orthodox tradition, and if it's practical in just basic biomechanical or nutritional or psychological practices. Right There are plenty of people who think that they can divorce yoga from the tradition it comes from, I still remember when I was doing it, it was when I first started exercising. I wasn't in the gym. I was using something called P90X, which you might have heard of. It's a home workout routine. And I, I want to say I gained about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle over the course of a year doing it. So it was relatively effective. But one of the videos was about an hour long yoga session. And at the very end, the instructor, the instructor would always say, okay, we're going to do some ohms and don't try to get weird about it. It's not a religion. It's just ohms. How ignorant that man was. God forgive me if I'm being judgmental, but as someone who studied the texts, as someone who knows some Hindu theology, Om is the primordial sound of the universe, right? It's believed in Hinduism that Om is the sound that the universe makes at its most fundamental basic level. In some ways, could be related to the idea of the word of God, essentially. It's the sound that creates everything. So when you sit cross-legged, close your eyes, and hum, om, you're attempting to connect to that, what the Hindus believe to be a divine energy. Of course, people trying to say that it's just ohms don't know what they're talking about. And these are the kinds of things we have to guard ourselves against, right? St. Paul tells us this, and I quote this all the time, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to us. So don't be deceived into thinking that anything that comes from any religious tradition that has not been approved 
by the church fathers that has not been approved by holy orthodoxy is something that you can just incorporate into your practice, right? This idea of Christian yoga is laughable. It's laughable. As men living the warrior king life, our first commitment is to God. And even if you couldn't get the mental benefits or the physical benefits or the financial benefits or anything like that without using these tools, it would be better not to have those benefits at all, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's another verse that I like to quote from St. Paul, right? We should be really serious about these things. We should be really careful about these things. So the takeaway for you here today, first, most practically, most immediately, don't use mindfulness meditation. Don't use mantra meditation, like what's called transcendental meditation. Don't practice yoga. Don't do hot yoga. Don't do acro yoga. Right? I almost fell into this trap. I have a close friend who is not a Christian who does acro yoga and it's just people putting other people on their feet or whatever and spin, spinning them around. And he told me, he was like, yeah, there's no semblance of any religious practice in this. And I you know, was considering it. I, I was thinking about it. Like maybe this is fine. Maybe this isn't real yoga and it's just called acro yoga and it's a misnomer. And then lo and behold, two days later, YouTube recommends me that video from Father Seraphim talking about how Christian yoga is not tenable. And I, of course, saw that that as a sign. And I said, no, I don't need this. And what do I need this for? First of all, the Warrior King training protocol gives me everything I need for physical exercise. Then if I need mobility, I can just reach into the toolkit of Squat University and Becoming a Supple Leopard by Kelly Starrett, which I've mentioned before. And if I want to hang out with my friends and do something, I'll show up on days you're not doing acro yoga and we can just go do something else. Paintball or mini golf, or, or whatever, flag football, doesn't matter. The point is, you don't need these things. If there is a voice in you telling you you need these things, that is not the voice of God. Why are you so attached to things like meditation, to things like yoga, right? And these are, of course, the only two examples I can think of, but there might be more out there. What is it that's drawing you to these things, right? There are certain people who insist insist on bringing other traditions into their Christian worship. There are people who insist on referencing other traditions, right? And of course, the fathers do tell us that there is some wisdom that can be found in some traditions, but are on the side of caution, right? It's as simple as that. Everything you need has been provided by the church. There are certain people who will die on the hill of, I should be able to quote this person on spiritual matters, right? I should be able to quote, I don't know, ex-rabbi or why imam or whoever, whatever person. And again, I really hope I'm not offending anybody of those spiritual traditions. You're of course free to believe what you want. God gives us all free will. But from the Christian perspective, this information does not provide anything that the Christian worldview doesn't provide. It's very important to get that through your head. You should be very, very cautious in any advice you accept, even within the church, right? You should be careful. You know, it's, hypothetically possible that you could come across a priest who tells you to do something like, I don't know, he says, oh, read the Quran. It's very good for you. It's very interesting information or something. Would the church fathers support that, right? Would the saints support that? So if you find yourself in a position where you feel like you need more calm, you find yourself in a position where you feel like you need more mobility or you want more focus or anything like that, use the toolkit that we provide in the Warrior King ethos in the Philog podcast, right? All of this 
is from the Orthodox perspective. All of this is from the Christian perspective. Weight training is not associated with any religion that I'm aware of, right? There are plenty of very, very traditional priests who do weight training. Maybe not plenty, but there's at least some. There's one on YouTube. His name is Father Mikhail. And I remember watching one of his videos and I was thinking, man, that guy's jacked, right? This priest, is he's massive. And uh, one of my friends sent me a screenshot from his YouTube comment section saying, Father, you look like you bench more than me. And then he goes on this long uh, comment response saying, yeah, I like to work out. It helps me focus. It helps me clear my head. And these are the, the chants that I listen to while I'm training, right? He listens to the Psalms when he's training. So that's, as far as I can tell, very safe. So all of the mobility tools I provide are just practical tools. It's like a wrench. It's like a screwdriver. It's just a tool. The weight training is just a tool. The nutritional stuff is just a tool. Use that. And remember that warrior kings, men living the warrior king ethos, men living the Christian life, men who are orthodox, don't meditate. That's it for this week's field log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.